Our new uh, worship leader, Brian Schrader, begins on Sunday, June 22nd. And it's just nice to have uh, folks like uh, Melody that are so willing to, to come here and lead us in worship. Uh, as I start uh, our new series called Walk Across the Room, you can see on the picture behind, behind me, uh, we actually have a little bumper video that we made. Some of you have seen this a couple weeks ago where it shows our beloved lead pastor, Chad Erlenborn, getting down with it, with it. Uh, his nickname in high school was Boogie. But anyways, the inspiration, the backstory to this is that uh, there's a uh, music video done, done by Fat Boy Slim. And I know a lot of you listen to that on your way to church this morning, Fat Boy Slim. Yeah. Weapon of choice. Anyways, it's, it's actually regarded as one of the best music videos ever done. And it features the actor Christopher Walken dancing in the video. And here's a clip of it. So I showed that to Chad, and I challenged him. I said, you know what, Chad? You, you really can't dance like that. He's like, yeah, right. So here's our version. Isn't that good? You, you give him a hand. You do realize, though, if we were Baptist, we wouldn't be able to do a video like that, right? Yeah. All right, we're going to start this series, Walk Across the Room, and it's been uh, just probably about six or seven months since I preached last, so I'm really excited about doing this series. I'm going to preach this Sunday, next Sunday, and then Chad and I are going to team up when he returns back from Kenya to, to do the uh, sermon on the 22nd. But, you know, I had this I thought was a really clever, witty, self-deprecating uh, story to kind of introduce uh, my message this morning. It involved me as an 11-year-old, and this is a true story, 11-year-old on a farm in Wisconsin driving our John Deere tractor. I didn't really know how to drive a tractor, but I drove it, and I smashed into a hay elevator. Yeah, but I'm going to skip that, that story. I'm going to save that for another time, so to kind of pique your interest. Because I, I really felt, like, between last night and this morning, I kind of wanted to cut to the chase. I wanted to cut to the chase of what really this, this series is about. And, and some of you are here this morning, and perhaps you're new to church, or you're really not quite sure when it comes to walking across a room. What's, what's this all about? And it's, it's about this. God has a dream. God has a dream that every person would come to faith in him, actually would get to know to love him and would actually profess Jesus Christ as the leader and savior of their lives. That's God's dream. And God invites you and I, and here's the kind of the, the, the challenging thing, is that he invites you and I to join him in, in doing that. 
which is an amazing sort of project if you were to think about that for a second, is that God primarily works through you and I to make this happen. And it's amazing when you think about that. Because for you and I, we don't automatically wake up wanting to do something like that. Um, in fact, to make Jesus Christ the leader of our lives, um, our, our hearts aren't aligned typically towards that. So there's the human condition, but there's also a societal condition, is that our, our society and our culture isn't really aligned to making Jesus Christ the leader of our lives, right? So it's quite the challenge. Yet God dreams. He dreams for each person to make Christ the leader of their lives and invites us uh, to join him in, in doing that. In fact, um, in the Bible, in the book of Acts, chapter 1, Verses 7 through 8, and you'll see the verse here on the slide. And if, if you want to turn to your Bible, you can as well. But in this passage, Jesus simply says that you are going to be my spokespeople, that you're going to be the agents through which I am going to bring about the love of God. That's what he says. Verse 7, he said to them, this is Jesus speaking to the disciples, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. So he speaks those words to his disciples then, but he also speaks these words to us today, is that we're to be these witnesses, that, that we're to kind of be the people that, that point out this dream of God that he has for every person to come to know him by making Jesus Christ the leader and Savior of their lives. That we have a role to play in, in doing this, that we have an opportunity to partner with God. But when you step back and think about that for a second, is that God is, is going to rely heavily upon humans to make this happen. Yeah, the Holy Spirit is going to empower us, but, but it's us being a part of that as well. And think about that for a second, me and you. Because after Jesus shared these words in Acts 1, 7 through 8, he ascends to heaven. And the Holy Spirit works um, among humans, but it's us. And the project is for us to share about this dream of God, for people to know him and love him by making Jesus Christ the leader and savior of their lives. And it's a, it's a daunting uh, thought when you consider it. Um, for us to actually engage in something like that. It's quite the risk, right? I mean, at least for me, I'm selfish. I have my own agenda. I'm mistake prone. Um, I want to do my things, do things my own way. I'm a mixed bag of motives. And that's on my best day, right? That's on my, my best day. But yet God desires to work through us. To, to share this, this message. Because it doesn't happen just automatically. It's like you go to a vending machine and you put some, some money in and all of a sudden you get faith. God is going to reach people through people like me and you. And this series is all about that. And yet, the, if you, as you think about God working through us, it's staggering. Because what kind of odds would you get to give to some, a project like that? that God is going is to work primarily through you and I to make this happen. What kind of odds? 100 to 1? 1,000 to 1? 10,000 to 1? You'd have a better, better odds predicting the tw uh, Twins to win the World Series this year. 
You'd have better odds predicting that the Kardashians would cancel their TV show, sell all their possessions, and open up a consignment store in Los Angeles. Yeah, the odds are staggering for God to rely on me and you, and yet he does that. God has a dream, and he invites you and I to join him in the accomplishment of that dream. And walk across the room is exactly all about that. It's for you and I to consider this, taking a step. For you and I to think about um, us to get out of our chair, walk across the room, and to reach out to people. But I want to pause for a second because there's, there's some of you in our, in our community here that are brand new to church, that it's been years since you've been in church, and this whole church thing is brand new to you. Or maybe you're just brand new to faith and you're still trying to kind of figure this out. And this message may not be for you. This might be one where you actually just listen and remember it. Because each of us are at different points of our spiritual journey. And God understands that. I was talking to a friend of mine about this message. And he has just returned to church after being away for like 20, 25 years. And I was telling him about this, the whole series and this, this talk. And he says, what? God wants me to do what? Share my faith? Are you serious? You know, some of us who've been in the church for a while are so used to this, we're immune to this kind of talk, but there's, there's a number of us where this is brand new stuff, and it's, it's a bit daunting. It's a bit daunting. I think it's daunting for a few reasons, in addition to some other things, but really, it, it centers around, as I've talked to some people over the past couple weeks on this topic, it seems like we're a bit apprehensive or reluctant to walk across the room and share our faith or to have spiritual conversations because of three questions. Who do I share with? How do I share? What do I share? So today, next Sunday, and the following Sunday, we're going to answer those questions. Who do I share with? How do I share? And what do I share? In saying that, there's not a magic formula. Um, there's not like one thing you just memorize and you're set for life. Uh, I'm going to encourage you as a community to kind of walk alongside me and Chad as we teach and, and kind of ask some questions and, and, and ask God to kind of give you direction because each of us have our own style, our own personality, and God wants to work within that. You're designed that for, for a particular reason because our idea of sharing faith is typically some, some person on the street screaming um, uh, about Christ and, or, or other ways that just kind of give us a stereotype. And we're like, that doesn't really fit me. But I think we're going to find in this series this is something that fits you. Who do I share with? How do I share? And what do I share? Let's begin with that first question. Who do I share with? I'd like to invite you in your Bibles to turn to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, verse 14, please. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to... Grab a Bible in front of you in the pew. All right. Mark chapter 2, verse 14. And, and one of the interesting things is, is Mark is, is kind of the scribe, the writer for a guy named Peter. And, and Peter is a popular name within Christianity. He, he was one of the best friends of Jesus. He's part of that, that inner circle around Jesus. And also he's known for a number of things besides walking on water, but also denying Christ. Um, but, but Peter was a, a first sort of eyewitness to all the different things that was happening during Jesus, uh, his life and ministry. So Peter talks to John Mark, and, and Mark writes this gospel. 
And in this passage right here, it's a really brief narrative. He tells us about a new disciple named Levi, which is also, his name is Matthew. And that's the first book of the New Testament. Matthew actually writes his own account. Uh, but Mark um, sort of notes what, what, Mark, or what uh, um, Matthew does here when he meets Christ. Let's go to verse 14. As he walked along, and this is Jesus, as he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. Okay, so before we get into about sharing our faith, um, beginning spiritual conversations with people, we just got to stop, step back and just remember when our life was changed. Do you remember that? Do you remember that moment? when you made Jesus Christ the leader of your life, where you got out of the driver's seat and said, I, I just can't do this, and you invited Christ to actually sit in the driver's seat, where you gave him control and surrendered your life to him. Do you remember, perhaps it was a moment. And for me, it was nine years old in a small Baptist church in Wisconsin after a Sunday night service, sitting with my pastor, Pastor Larry Holmes, and, and praying with him and my best friend, Bobby Pedersen, um, uh, doing the same thing. I still remember that. 1978. Do you remember that moment? Or maybe for you, it was a season of life. It was a season of life. It doesn't have to be a moment. Maybe it was a season of life. Maybe it was a particular year or two years where you just gradually gave control of your life to Jesus and made him the leader of your life. It's like, like sometimes we got to go back and just remember that and recall that. And just the, the change and just the impact that it had on our hearts and our minds and our life and our, the direction of, of who, we, who we are and are going to be. You know, sometimes we just get so busy with other things, but to actually go back to that miraculous moment that when you made that decision to receive Christ in your life, it's absolutely beautiful. And we see that here for Matthew, is that he, he follows Jesus. One thing I want to note here in verse 14, actually two details I want to note, is that Matthew puts Christ in the driver's seat. Notice the words. Jesus says, follow me. It's very, very important for, that, for us to be Christians. We need to make Jesus um, the, the leader of our lives. And Matthew does that. Jesus says, follow me. And, and Matthew follows him. I think oftentimes we treat Jesus as a sort of a tag-along as we rush about our day's activities. Run with me, Jesus, we say. Empower me. Give me ideas on how to do this better at school or at work. Bless me, bless my family. We want him to be good company, don't we? We want Jesus to be good company, sitting beside us, not saying too much, right? But as this verse shows, the Christian life is not about that. Jesus said, follow me. And it's Jesus driving the car. He takes the lead. And notice also this detail in verse 14. If you were reading this, or perhaps better, hearing this in the first century about this brief story here in verses 14 and 15 about Matthew, and you came across Matthew, or Levi, at the tax collector's booth, all of a sudden the alarms would have gone off in your head. That was his, wor his workplace. He was a tax collector. And if you have any familiarity with the Bible, you know that tax collectors weren't looked, looked upon very favorably in that society. But it's even worse than that. That tax collectors uh, were so ostracized from society, from the Jewish society, is that if they were a witness to a traffic accident, if they were a, a witness to 
uh, somebody stealing something, they could never ever be called as a witness in a court of law because they were viewed as so unreliable and unfavorable. There are certain positions they could not hold within uh, the public setting. They were kicked out of church. They were kicked out of their local synagogue once they took the job of a tax collector. And it wasn't just the person. It's an Eastern context. Remember this. It also spread to their family as well. So think about that. Matthew is this guy totally ostracized, uh, totally despised by people. And he leaves that. He leaves that past for a new present and future in Jesus Christ as the leader of his life. And some of you are here this morning, and, and that might be your story, is that you, have, you left the shame, you left a past that was broken, and you received Christ in your life, and your life was changed. Or perhaps you're here this morning, and that's where you're at right now. And you might think that, that Jesus would never accept you, or you, you can never, ever be a, a Christian because you see that person or this person. You don't really measure up. But yet the, the beauty and the voice of the gospel is that, that the ground is level. The, the ground is level for all of us. Each of us are invited into uh, this new life in Christ. But he doesn't stop there. Matthew doesn't stop there. Like uh, Mark uh, chapter 2, verse 15. It's not just his life has been changed and and now he's going to be a good Christian and actually a disciple. Um, He wants to do something. He wants to do something. He wants to get out of his chair and he wants to walk across the room. Take a look at verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. So what does Matthew do here? He puts together a party. Actually, a dinner, which was a big deal back in that day. It wasn't just a casual dinner you invited. Any, it was actually a very, very significant thing in the life of Jewish people. It's called table fellowship. And when you did that, it was, it was saying a lot more than just simply eat my food. Um, is that you were ex- really expressing a care and concern for your guests. So what Matthew does is that he goes into his circle of influence. And these are the tax collectors and the sinners and the kind of people left out by society. And he invites them over to his house. And maybe he's done that before, but he invites them over to this house. And this dinner is going to be a little bit different because Jesus is going to be there. I love that. He's intentional. You know, Matthew experiences life change, and then he looks around. He looks around at his, his circles of influence and says, who might be some of the people that I know who are spiritually lost that I could invite, I could reach out, I, I could walk across a room, and, and maybe I can't ar- articulate what the gospel is or what it means, but I, I can at least invite them over to my house and to meet Jesus. Who do we share with? There's one thing you walk away this morning is, is simply this, your circles of influence. What are your circles of influence? I just want to draw some circles here. Think about maybe this one here, your home or neighborhood. You guys can see that in the back. That's a circle of influence, where you live, your apartment, your condo. If you're a college student during the school year, it's your dorm, it's your floor, but your home, your neighborhood. Who might be those individuals that you live by 
who might be like Matthew's friends that are far away from God, where you could actually walk across the yard or the street and, and simply begin a relationship. And I'm not saying like drop you know, a bunch of theology on right away, but actually begin a conversation. Because when we talk about, or ask, when we ask the question who to share with, is that these people in our circles of influence, they're not projects. They're not like some sort of statistic that we can put on a resume that we shared Christ with and, and, and we're better for it. For us, it means caring and concern, being concerned about your neighbors. Caring and being concerned about perhaps your, your family members that live in your house. Maybe it's a son or daughter that's been estranged for some time and they're back from college now and they're, you know they're far away from God and you have an opportunity this summer to begin that conversation. Okay? So we have the home and neighborhood circle. Maybe this next one is work. And, and maybe it's these little small circles. Maybe it's a department or maybe it's your cubicle or maybe it's, you know, a, a committee or a team that you're a part of. And inside that, there's, there's people that are in there that you have interface with. And, and like Matthew, it's for you to kind of look around, to look around at these, these people that you rub elbows with on a, on a regular basis. Let's be honest, some of us, we spend more time here than we actually do over here. And the opportunities that we have. And I know HR stipulations and things like that, but perhaps within there, there's opportunities where you could begin spiritual conversations. And there's a number of people in this congregation I know that do that on a regular basis. That they get to their office in the morning, their cubicle in the morning early, and they pray for their coworkers. And maybe that's where you start, is simply by praying for people that you know that are spiritually lost. Next is our family. Do you guys like my artwork? I'm pretty good, aren't I? Those are pretty good circles? What do you guys think? Yeah? Okay. All right, this is, our, this is our family. So uncles, aunts, cousins. And this kind of uh, woke me up a while ago. The people that I have in my family, extended family, that I've come across that are far away from God. In fact, I had a couple of cousins that I've connected with, and we don't see each other very often, maybe about once a year or so at the Case Christmas party. But I was so happy to hear that they had connected to a church in their area. And we had some, some previous conversations, but nothing significant, just some spiritual conversations. They had some questions, and pretty soon uh, they joined a church. And actually, I went to a leadership conference where they were attending that church, and they, act, they were actually volunteering at that leadership conference. It, it was amazing for me to see that. But we may have family, and simply for us, just kind of look around. Look around. And yet we might be reluctant. We might be apprehensive. But could you, might you, walk across the room to risk it, knowing that God is with you, and that God has a dream that he wants every person to come to know him by making Jesus Christ the leader and savior of their lives. Might you risk that? Might you walk across and just simply begin a conversation? And I've been doing this for a number of years. I still get a little bit nervous when I do this. I'll be honest with you. You know, sometimes you look at clergy like they have it down pat. We get nervous. You know, this, sometimes 
And I have friends of mine who are just automatic evangelists, and that's, that's not me. And, and sometimes that's good, because then you depend on God to really uh, work through you and, and talk through you. So we got home, neighborhood, work, family. Let's move to another page here. Another circle of influence. Your friends. Your friends. Maybe it's past friends that you've connected on Facebook with. That, that you, you've reconnected. And maybe some of the conversations are, you're what? A Christian? Really? Because they remember back in high school. Somebody had that kind of story before. It's actually worse for me because even my friends are like, what? You're a pastor? What? Yeah, some of us, but friends. And you have an opportunity to step into that and actually share that. Not to be ashamed, but say, man, Jesus kind of just rocked my world. And here's what happened. And we're going to talk more about how to share and what to share in the upcoming uh, two Sundays. But maybe it's just beginning here with, with friends that you have. Past friends, but present friends. New friends that you have that you've connected with. And maybe it's just simply, again, looking around and listening to what they're saying, perhaps about a crisis in their life or, or maybe questions that they have. And you have an opportunity to kind of step into that and perhaps share a little bit or talk about your own experience with that and you begin praying for them. Like Matthew, to reach out to them and invite them into this a beautiful life in Christ. Uh, next, I'm just simply calling this frequent places or places that we frequent. Might be a restaurant, might be Lifetime Fitness, might be the same hairstylist, might be a gas station. And, and by my house, um, we always go to Super America. It's right across the street, and I've gotten to know a, a guy named Brian. And and I haven't taken this step yet. And this message actually convicted me that I haven't really um, walked across the room as much as I need to. Brian's a great guy. We have a, a mutual love for fishing. And he's worked at SA for 12 years. And he always says hi to me, recognizes me when I, when I pull up to get some gas. But what might be that frequent place for you? It's a restaurant. It's a lifetime fitness. It's, maybe it's, it's, you know, the library. Whatever that place is that you frequent on a regular basis. And I would say... If, if, if you can, actually make it a point to go to the same places as a way to build relationships with people um, that you, you don't know that might be far away from God. Okay, last one. I'm simply calling this extracurricular activities. And this is a great way, especially for you, you parents that have kids that are involved in sports and traveling sports, is that you have an opportunity um, to really get to know some of the other parents and when Janiel and I, when our kids were in traveling sports and we're sitting at some, you know, gym in, in the middle of nowhere at 8 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning, what do you do? You just talk. It's, it was amazing. I actually missed that. We did that for about eight years and began to get to really know people and, and also their questions about faith and about church. It was amazing when I began to look around and actually listen to what they were saying, how I would have an opportunity, how God would use that um, to build a relationship but what are your circles of influence? I'd encourage you to draw some of these circles and, and, and maybe writing some names, writing some names in these circles. Like for me, it's Brian over here. But maybe writing some names and identifying some people, not like your, you know, evangelistic or spiritual hit list, uh, but actually people that you know. 
when you look around that they're spiritually lost or they've been away from, a God, away from God, away from the Bible, that you might have an opportunity to reach out. And there's been a couple of families within this congregation that have actually done that, in particular with extracurriculars, is that they've been on, on traveling teams and they've actually reached out to other families and invited them to our church and sharing about faith. But let me say this. When, when we do this, the circles of influence, as we take this in consideration what Matthew does, th- these people aren't projects. We have to note that. It's not about like just winning them over and then moving on to the next person. In fact, I would say don't engage in this unless you're willing to care and be concerned for them. That you want to invest in a relationship with them. And not moving on and just simply converting them or winning them over for God and then moving on to the next thing. Is that you've got to begin with actually caring for them because God cares for them. God is concerned about them. And we need to be concerned about them as well. What are your circles of influence? And who are those people? Let's reread Mark 2, verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Let this be something that just propels us to think about the people we may know in our circles of influence, in the zip codes, in the places that God has brought us into. Uh, what role might you and I play? Again, your knees may, might be knocking. You might say, me? Are you serious? And come to the next two Sundays because we're going to give you, I think, some good content on how you can share things and, and what you can share. But one of the things that we did as a church is we began to ask the question in terms of this first one a few years ago, probably actually four years ago before I came here, was this sort of home neighborhood. You know, and as a church, we're thinking about, okay, God has us in this area of Maple Grove. What, might, what role can we play in terms of our neighbors? You know, we don't have neighbors like right next to us, but we have some neighbors behind us in the townhomes. So we began to ask questions, what can we do to kind of initiate What can we do to get out of our chairs and walk across the grass to the townhomes and just begin conversations? Not as a way to have them fill our pews, not as a way to kind of fill our our membership roster, but simply to to walk across the, the yard and begin a relationship because God cares about them, God's concerned about them, and we should be too. And we did that and just started knocking on doors. I started doing it about three years ago. And one of the uh, uh, sort of um, encouragements in doing that is we kind of stumbled across this national event called National Night Out on the first Tuesday of every August where there's block parties and neighborhood get-togethers. We said, well, this is our neighborhood right here. And me and and a few others just started knocking on doors, introducing ourselves, talking to some people. And and the first go-around was actually a little bit rough. And... Yet the second year, and then especially last summer, they, would, they actually recognized us. And more and more of these folks would, would come to our national night out that we had here uh, on our campus. And we had free food. We had, uh, you know, the inflata- inflatables for the kids. And, and we had uh, the Maple Grove police chief here, some, some of those things. But the whole idea of national night out, among other things, is really to get neighbors to connect together. 
And we saw this as a great way to sort of do a, like a Matthew party or sort of a Matthew invitation, simply for us to begin some friendships with people. After three years now, there's a handful of people that I've gotten to know really well. And it is so cool. Because in some of those conversations I've had at their, at their door, uh, they've asked questions about church and, and faith. And one person last summer just said, you know what? It's been... It's been a long time since I've been to church. I think God has given up on me. And I followed up with a conversation with her. And it was a great conversation, giving her hope in her life, in her spiritual life. So National Night Out was a, just a great way for us as a church to do that. But also for me, it was beginning to ask some questions about my family, in my extended family. Um, that I had an uncle, and I've shared this before, Uncle Lindell, who moved from the Twin Cities to uh, Portland. And the mantra in Portland is, keep Portland weird. And my uncle is doing that. And he'll admit to that. He's a great guy. He wears these sweatpants. He pulls them up to his knees, and he wears Uggs. In fact, my sister who lives near him, to some at the gas station, <laughs> this awesome picture. I got to get a picture and show it to you sometime. But anyways, my uncle Lindell, he's just a great guy. He's been like a father figure in my life for a number of years, yet... It wasn't until probably four or five years ago where I actually, this passage convicted me to begin asking questions. What am I doing to share my faith with my Uncle Lindell? So the few years I had with him before he moved out to Portland uh, for retirement, I just began to be more intentional about that. Asking him about what he believed in and taking time at Dunn Brothers, at at different breakfast locales uh, to sort of find out where he was coming from. And I can't say that he's taken that step to make Christ the leader. He has a number of questions still, but we're walking along that road together. And I could say anything. It's just enriched our relationship as well. And just hearing his um, sort of challenges towards making Christ the leader of his life and some of the challenges he has towards Christianity, it's just been so beneficial. Because here's the thing is that when you engage in this, when you get out of your chair and you walk across a room, it's not just one way. There's mutuality to it. In other words, you're going to receive back from them. In fact, I, I would say this, is that when we get up and walk across the room and take the risk with this sort of endeavor, I believe it's one of the greatest ways that we can grow as Christians. Because it causes you to do a number of things. It causes you to pray more, to know Scripture, um, to be attuned, to listen, to share your story, things like that. All right. So another one for me recently, too, because as a pastor, it's just, you know, I work around Christians, so it's kind of hard, you know, to share with my coworkers. Um, but one of the things that I like to do is I love Starbucks coffee. I believe in the new heavens and new earth, Starbucks coffee will be in heaven. Not Caribou, not Dunn Brothers, none of those places, Starbucks, okay? I've been to the, star, the first Starbucks in Seattle. I'm so proud of that. Anyways, uh, but the places that we frequent, and I go to the Starbucks here at, in Dunkirk. I mean, it was an answer to prayer when they built that for me when I came on staff here. So about a year after I started, and I was so excited about going there. And I go there quite a bit daily, weekly. Um, but I've gotten to know some of the coworkers, and they've gotten to know me so well. In fact, just recently, I, I walked into the Starbucks, and I actually went right to the bathroom. And when I came out of the bathroom, her name is Rachel, she had my drink all ready to go. Isn't that good? Five cubes of ice, dark roast, no room, coffee. This is great. So, so cool. 
was really proud of that. Um, but anyways, uh, but in our conversations, and I, but I haven't taken the step yet to really share about my story or share about what it means to make Jesus Christ the leader of your life. We just be kind of taking some small steps in just building a friendship. And if there's anything that I could say about this whole thing of look around your circles of influence is that take small steps. Take small steps. Because I think some of us feel like we have to have something uh, you know, with substance to give to somebody, or we have to have to give them a lot. You know, sometimes it's simply taking those small steps and building a friendship, uh, letting them know that you care about them, that you really want to listen to them and what their needs are. And I've I've done that with Rachel and actually another coworker there as well. And I'm praying for that opportunity, and that might be for you as well. Is the pl- the places that you frequent. I want to close with this. Now that we have an idea of, of who to share with, as you walk away, thinking about the circles of influence um, that you have, how do we share? I'm going to talk about that next Sunday. Please come. But let me say this. We sometimes get so anxious and nervous about um, what may happen that we might come across judgmental or we might think there's a certain way to do it and we might fail. But let's remember this. It's ultimately God's dream. It's God's dream that all people know him and love him. As one author writes this, he sent the son Jesus Christ to put on flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood of the planet earth. In doing so, Jesus walked across the universe to meet us. Christ was more concerned about others' well-being than his own. He walked across the universe to meet me and you. In the same way, we are called to walk across the room to share the love of Christ with others. Will you? Let me pray. Father God, we give thanks for this morning. We thank you for this text and this narrative of Matthew. And just let his example sort of propel us in our circles of influence to take those small steps and help us to begin to pray for those people that we know. It's not being judgmental, but just simply being attuned to where they're at. And God, for us to actually to, to care and be concerned for them, to invest in the friendship first. Sometimes we put the cart before the horse and help us just to invest in those relationships. And God, as we consider ourselves in our humanity, is that we realize we're fragile, we're vulnerable, that we're a mixed bags, bag of motives. As it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you will empower us. You will give us the words. You will give us the courage to walk across the room. For your glory, we pray. Amen.